We're very blessed today to have Roger and Ruthie Fry here with us from North Dallas, Frisco Allen area, and uh, he's going to bring us a word. He's written a book on conquering fear, and we'll prove to you that more of us suffer with fear than we realize. It's a subject that many times as men and women, we don't realize what's really going on in our struggles through life. Many times it can be fear. And uh, the Lord has given, given him revelation in this area as well as personal experience of receiving freedom from fear. So at this time, Roger, we turn the service to you. Can we give the Lord a sh- hand of appreciation for sending him to us? Yes. Thank you, Roger. It's a blessing to be here, and uh, I really enjoyed the worship. It reminds me of some of the other churches we've been in pastoring, just a sweet spirit of worship here. and I've been a part of uh, AOI with Alan for, I think, about nine years. I've grown to love him and appreciate him and his sweet spirit with the Lord. We're living in stressful times. Amen? People's hearts are failing because of fear. The economy, the world situation, the political arena. But you know what God says? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now he was writing to a group of first century Christians who had every reason to be full of fear. They were under intense persecution. In fact, Peter called it, fiery trials, not for what they had done wrong, but for what they had done right, because they were loving God and serving him faithfully. So Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now what that means is that if God commands us to do something, then it's possible to do it through his power, right? Otherwise, why would he tell us to do something if it weren't possible to do it? So that means it's possible to cast our cares upon the Lord today through his power. Now, as I look at this passage, especially out of the King James, which is what I grew up on, it says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. There are two Greek words there. The first word has to do with those concerns and worries and anxieties. Those things that come upon us to just rip us in different directions. To sap our strength out of us. And those we are to quickly cast over unto the Lord. Now the second word for care is that loving concern, that interest that our Heavenly Father has for us. He is interested in our everyday concerns. Now, let's suppose I am carrying a very heavy pack. You're probably wondering why I brought this in. And it is heavy. Oh, yeah, it's full of books. I can't get it on. It's too heavy. Ah. And I'm carrying this thing around wherever I go. I could probably handle it for an hour maybe two hours, and then I'd just give out. 
But along comes a friend, and this friend is very strong. I mean, he's so strong, he makes the Incredible Hulk look like Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) And so he comes along, and he says, Roger, may I carry this load for you? And to him, it's light as a feather. And I say, sure, here, please take it, friend. Uh All right. It wasn't that heavy, but it's for drama. Okay? Thank you. And uh, you see, that's the way the Lord is. He wants to carry our load, but we have to cast it upon him. Now, if I were to carry that thing, eventually it would take its toll on my body. I mean, if I carried it hour after hour, all day, day after day, month after month, it would take its toll. And that's the way anxiety is. Now, let me give you an example from my own life. I was diagnosed with acute acid reflux disorder. I went to the doctor. He prescribed medication, which kept the acid down. But this was really bad stuff. I would go to bed at night, and just before I'd fall asleep or maybe after I fell asleep, the acid would then splash up from my stomach into my uh, throat and then down into my lungs. So I'd wake up in a state of panic because my lungs were on fire, and then I would try to cough that stuff out because I knew that acid shouldn't stay there. And as I would cough it out, then it would burn my throat all over again. So I went to the doctor knowing, hey, you know, I, this is not a healthy situation. So not only did he put me on medication, he told me to put my bed on an incline so that the head of the bed was about six to eight inches higher than the foot of the bed. That really helped, but for the first couple of months, Ruthie and I would wake up down at the foot of the bed. Then I also discovered that if I didn't eat any food after 5 o'clock in the evening, that kind of cut it down. But after doing all that I could do, and of course lots of prayer, I still had this acid reflux about once a week or every two weeks, and I'd just be waking up coughing this stuff out. And I knew it could not keep going on, or it could ruin my lungs and esophagus and everything else. And then I sort of stumbled across the solution. I began to deal proactively with anxiety in my life, which is a form of fear. And once I did, the acid reflux went completely away, and now I can eat anything, anytime, anywhere, and it doesn't bother me. God gave me my healing. Praise God. And shortly after I received my healing, I might need that water. After I received my healing, uh, Ruthie and I went up to uh, Denver to Estes Park, and I have a cousin up there. And when we went to visit my cousin, he invited us out to dinner at one of these Brazilian restaurants where They bring out all the meat, different kinds of meats. You ever been in a place like that? I mean, all types of exotic meats, 
from all around the world and sausages and meatballs and, you know. And they gave you a dowel. It was about that big and about that big around. Half of it was red, half of it was green. If you put the green side up on your table, the waiters would just keep bringing this food out. But if you turned it around and put the red side up, that would signal them to stop. Well, needless to say, my cousin and I left the green side up a very long time. Finally, in astonished disgust, Ruthie looked at me and she said, Roger, I have never seen you eat so much meat in all the years we've been married. Well, I'm not proud of my gluttony, but went to bed shortly after that because we ate pretty late, and I had not one single problem with acid reflux. I guess you would say that's the acid test, amen? (laughs) But praise God. You see, anxiety will take its toll on our bodies. And acid reflux is just one of many anxiety disorders. Medical textbooks mention over 40 diseases that stem from anxiety and stress. And anxiety is another form of fear. Let me give you another illustration. Ruthie was always running to the restroom to throw up. I don't know how to make that sound any better than that, but you understand what I'm saying. She was always sick. And come to find out, she was allergic to corn products. Well, you know, you think, well, that's easy to deal with. No more corn on the cob and and, uh, no more popcorn, and she's as good as new. Well, the problem is is there's corn products in nearly everything, from soda pop to packaged goods, I mean, to gravy. It's in everything. And so we would have to watch carefully what she was putting in her body Because if she wasn't careful, the least little bit of this stuff, and she's running to the restroom, sick as a dog. Well, we prayed about it. We prayed about it year after year. In fact, there was one time I spent like a whole week of intense prayer for her health situation. And I was fasting and praying, and I'll never forget, one day I was kneeling beside my bed praying for her, and the Lord said, Roger, I've healed her. Well, praise God, she's healed. So I went and told her, and we're both rejoicing, God healed you. Well, problem is, is that we didn't see any difference. And so we didn't under, have you ever had that? God gives you word, and you're trying to figure out what God was saying. Well, year after year, she went with that same condition, being very careful about what she ate. And then again, we sort of stumbled across the solution. And that is we began to get ministry for her in the area of fear. And specifically, the specific form of fear was abandonment and rejection. Those are forms of fear. You see, what happened when she was two years old, her father was killed fighting a forest fire. The enemy then latched a hold of that and implanted a seed of fear, fear of abandonment and rejection in her life. 
Now, the wonderful thing is, as soon as she got ministry in that area, instantly, I mean instantly, those allergies went away. In fact, her airborne allergies went away. She was taking medicine every day. And she, I, I'm not sure you might on a rare occasion have a flare-up, uh, but nothing at all like it was before. And you see, it's because she, she learned what the key was. It's true. God had healed her. He healed us all 2,000 years ago. But there are things that, that block the healing that God intends us to have. In her case, it was the fear of abandonment and rejection. Did you know that prolonged anxiety will lead to depression? According to the Word of God, listen to what it says in Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. See, depression is when we give in to the cares of life while letting go of our faith in God. And anxiety will lead to depression. Webster's Dictionary defines anxiety as a state of being uneasy, apprehensive, or worried about what may happen, concern about a future event. And you see, all fear tends to project into the future. Actually, fear is the devil's form of faith. And faith and fear are very similar. Both of them project into the future and both demand to be fulfilled. The fear of man, it'll come right back on you. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me according to Job 3.25. The Greek word for anxiety, marimna, it means to draw in different directions, to pull apart, to distract. You feel like you're being pulled apart in different directions? Well, this is the word Peter uses in 1 Peter 5.7, casting all your care or all your anxiety upon the Lord, for He cares for you. I want us to look carefully at what the Apostle Paul said about anxiety in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says in that verse, Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Well, if that's all he said, it wouldn't help a whole bunch. Have you ever been worried about something and you tell a friend and they say, Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. And it might help a little bit, but in your heart you're thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. And if that's all that Paul said, be anxious for nothing, it really wouldn't help much. Unless he gave us some action steps to take care of our anxiety. And that's exactly what he does. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. So essentially what he's saying is, go pray about it. But if that's all he said, it wouldn't help a whole lot. It's a very special type of prayer. Prosukamai. It means, and it's a general form of prayer, it means that first of all, we are to acknowledge the power and the glory and the majesty of God. When you're faced with anxiety, look up and be look and look to him for who he is. In everything, by prayer, 
Isn't that what Jesus taught us to do when he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer? How does that start? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You see, it's the same concept. We begin to look at his majesty and power and glory. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. But then he adds the second step, and supplication. Now, what is a supplication? It's a petition. It's a request. We ask God about specific issues in our lives. By the way, isn't that what Jesus taught us to do in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he gets us asking about specific requests. Give us this day our daily bread. But if that's all that Paul gave us, it still would not be enough. And many times we go to our prayer closet and come back more anxious and depressed than we were before we started. In everything by prayer and supplication, now here's the third part, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, what he's saying is that our prayers must be bathed in thanksgiving. Lord, I thank You that You're on Your throne. I thank You that You're all-powerful. I thank You, Lord, Your Word cannot fail. All the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him. Amen. Unto the glory of God by us. Thank Him. Saturate your prayers in thanksgiving. In fact, go through life being a thankful person. And you will see how the anxiety just tends to dissipate. And so, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You know, just praying alone doesn't help. In fact, there was a study done of a large group of people. They took these people who had a Christian background who were suffering from anxiety, divided them up into three categories. Category one they were given a counselor and they received counseling on a group basis and an individual basis. Group number two was given an instructor and the instructor taught the people how to pray and then they prayed together and also individually. Group number three was just told, go home and pray about this. Give it intense prayer. Well, after a couple of weeks, they came back. You know what they found? Group number one that received counseling on having a better attitude, 50% of those people showed improvement. Group number two, the group that was uh, taught by an instructor how to pray properly and then prayed together, 85% of them showed marked improvement. But of the group that was told, well, just go home and intensify your efforts and pray about this, you know what the results were? Not one person experienced any benefit. In fact, several of them deteriorated and became more anxious than before. You see, we need to pray the right way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
And this is what some people call the sandwich technique. In other words, you sandwich your request in between praise and thanksgiving. We see that in other places. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, we put it, our request, in between praise and thanksgiving. And then I love, I love this. Paul says, if we will do it this way, here's the promise. It says that God will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know that word keep is a powerful word. It's a military word. And it literally means to garrison about. You see, God is going to send His guardian angels, I mean, just to protect your mind. It's, he's going to garrison about your mind so that your mind will be full of peace if you do these things, he says. Now, did you know that the mark of a non-Christian is a lack of thanksgiving? In describing the lost people in the book of Romans, Paul gives a list, a long list of characteristics of the lost. And then he ends that list by saying, Neither were thankful. In Ephesians 5, it says, But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You see how he, he lists this all these evils? And he compares them to giving of thanks. So a lack of thanksgiving is not just weakness, it's wickedness. No wonder we suffer some of the things we suffer. God wants us to be thankful people for our own health. Now one way to overcome anxiety is to attack your negatives in praise. According to Psalm 49, praise is a sword. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And when these negatives come, begin thinking of praise as a sword and just attack it rather than running. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. And when we do this, then God promises that He is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus said it another way in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I really like the way the King James puts it. Take no thought. See, because that's where anxiety comes from. Thinking the wrong thoughts. Take no thought. Be anxious. Do not be anxious. 
And he says that the solution for anxiety is what? To seek first the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the government of God. It's the rule of God. We're to seek the kingdom first, and then God will rid us of anxiety. I like what Paul says in Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not in eating or drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that means to me that if I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, this gives me an idea of what I can do. For one thing, I can seek after righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, one fruit of the Spirit is peace, right? And peace is one of the opposites of fear and anxiety. And you know where the Holy Spirit lives? I believe this. I believe that when we become true followers of Christ, we've given our heart to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. I believe that because of what Paul said, if anyone have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. And so the Holy Spirit is right here. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Maybe that's what Jesus had in mind when He said, the kingdom of God is within you. Interesting thought. But where is Jesus? John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, My peace I give unto you. He's giving His peace. Now, if, this, if you'll catch this, it'll change your life. Who is Jesus? He is the Prince of Peace. Where does Jesus live? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if I'm in a situation where I'm not experiencing peace, rather than going out there and trying to struggle and grasp for peace, I look right here to where Jesus is, and I say, Jesus, You are peace. I release You now through my life. Be peace in me. You see, it's a life of rest. It's not a matter of us struggling and striving to overcome anxiety. It's a matter of resting in the Lord. Resting in who He is. And He lives inside of me. And that will change your life. Just look to Him. Look to Him. Now, let me say this. Don't be so concerned about chasing away the mosquitoes as in turning on the electronic repellent device. Let me illustrate this. About a year ago, I went up to Indiana to visit my brother. And he likes to get out in his garage. He opens the garage door and his buddies come over and they, some of them play guitar, some play cribbage, and others just sit around and talk, so forth. But has anybody ever been to North Indiana? I'm telling you, the mosquitoes are so thick, they'll, they could just carry you away. 
So we're having this good time out there, visiting with his buddies, but all of us were out there slapping ourselves because the mosquitoes are horrible. And that is not a mosquito. Okay. So I won't slap you anymore. All right. And it was just, it was miserable. Can you relate to what I'm saying? Have you ever been in mosquitoes that thick? Well, then the next day, one of his buddies, who I guess he was a hunter, had one of these electronic devices that, you know, you just turn it on, you put a cartridge in, and it lasts for like eight hours. You know what I'm talking about? Turn that on, and the mosquitoes just stay away. Now, every once in a while, a mosquito would come and land on us, but not that often. It was manageable. And then we'd have to squat the mosquito. Now, this is what I believe the Lord gave me. This is the way it is when it comes to fighting this stuff. You see, if I'm always fighting off and swatting demons and trying to chase this stuff away, it's like going into a dark room and trying to chase the darkness out of there. (laughs) There is a place for coming after that negative stuff and rebuking the devil. But it's a whole lot better to turn on the other device. And that's like just getting into the presence of God. Getting in under His glory cloud. Just worshiping Him. Because as we do, it becomes a life of rest. Yes, the Bible talks about swatting these things, which we need to do from time to time, but not continually. It's a life of rest. Joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Now, I've written a book on fear, as Alan mentioned. And uh, one thing, if I, if I had it to do over, I'd add this. Uh, when I do, redo the book, I'm going to add this thought. Because I think this is powerful. That emotion flows from the vision that we hold before our eyes. When you're in here in worship, if you hold, you hold a vision of Jesus before your eyes, man, the emotion of love and gratitude and all those things are going to flow from your heart. Whatever you hold before your eyes is going to manifest itself in an in emotion. Now there's good news then. That means that I can change the emotion I'm experiencing by the vision that I hold before my eyes. Now let me give you an example of this from the negative side. One time Ruthie was late coming home. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know why she wasn't home yet. I thought she was coming straight home from work. and, And yet she wasn't home. And So in my mind's eye, I envisioned her laying beside the highway, an ambulance there, getting ready to pick her up and rush her to the emergency room. Guess what happened? Fear, anxiety, because of the vision I held before my eyes. You see, and if you're looking for those kind of things, I I talked to a lady whose son is in Iraq. And that's what she kept doing. She kept seeing her son beside a road blown to pieces. And if 
She's always looking to that, holding that vision in her mind. Naturally, she's going to be full of fear, and all the praying in the world's not going to get rid of her fear. She's got to change the vision by looking to Jesus. I asked the Lord today for a vision. And the vision that He gave me was of Him in this room. And some of you are you're just hanging over a precipice. You're ready to fall down. You get crushed on the rocks below. But Jesus is right there. And He's got His strong arm, His strong hand right around your arm. And He's holding you up. How many of you know that the Lord's arm is not short? The Lord's arm will not fail. You see, when I see those kind of things, you know what it does? It just fills me with all kinds of peace and confidence. That's what I need to hold before my eyes. So just ask the Lord. Lord, rather than all these fearful things I'm keeping in the imagination of my heart, Lord, would you show me where you're at? Show me where you're at. And in the Spirit, He will show you. And as you look to Him and behold Him, the emotion of peace will flow. I guarantee it. Emotion flows from the vision we hold before our eyes. My book is in the back on a table, and I've marked it down. It normally goes for 14 but it's going to go for $10 today. I really do. I think it will bless you. I think it will. Because God does not want us living in fear. He wants us living in faith, and He wants us living in peace. That's His plan. And that's what can be ours today if we just do what He says. Anyone is there anyone here who uh, feel this word really spoke to your heart? Hallelujah. All right, Roger and Ruthie are willing to pray with people, and uh, so the musicians, if you guys could come forward and uh, help provide some music background as they pray with those, um, and I'm going to dismiss those that that must go, but I encourage you not to rush off, but sit and contemplate. In your own life, where is unthankfulness taking place? And and maybe take a sheet of paper and uh, write a title across the top, 10 things I'm thankful for, and just sit here and practice some thanksgiving before you leave. Just make a list of 10 things that you're thankful for. All right, we do that. Father, I just thank you for the word that we've heard. And as we transition the service, I pray, Lord, that thanksgiving would take place in this room in areas where it hasn't. And, Lord, we thank you for the ripple effect of healing and deliverance from torment that comes as a result of the atmosphere of thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that the thermostats of our homes, our marriages, our relationships, our careers, and our ministries would be set on thankfulness in Jesus' name. Lord, for those of us that have been swatting symptoms, swatting the mosquitoes of 
care and worry and anxiety, Lord, that the uh, atmosphere of thanksgiving would reduce the warfare in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, for the word that we've heard, Lord. May we take it to heart and apply it. I pray, Lord, that as Roger and Ruthie lay hands on people that come forward for prayer, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to move mightily on their behalf. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, let's respond to the word. Hallelujah. Thank you.